Would you turn to James 3 and Matthew 12? James 3 and Matthew 12. Now, a few Wednesdays ago, I taught a message on fatal departure. It was intended to be just the one message about people turning away from the Lord and following deceitful spirits is a fatal change, a fatal turn, because it leads to death. It's, it's what fatal means, death or ruin. Then the last time I spoke about a fatal attitude. That's to call yourself a Christian, but have an indifferent attitude towards God and His Word that, you know, well, He understands and and not taking God seriously, not taking his call to live a holy life seriously, because not many people do. And that's a fatal attitude because it also leads to ruin, demise, or maybe death. Now tonight I want to talk about, this will probably take two weeks, I want to talk about fatal words tonight. Again, I got a series started without trying, I like that. Fatal words. Now, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37, we're all familiar with that. For he tells us there that by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And God shows us clearly in just one verse, there's more than one, of course, but he shows us there that somebody is listening to everything you say. God knows what you're thinking. He knows the motivation behind why you say things or why you do things. The very thoughts and intentions of your heart, God knows. And somebody is paying attention. Words are being recorded. There's not a word you've ever spoken that is not remembered. And it will always be remembered. And your words can either put you right with God and put you in right standing and make you a servant, beneficial to God, able to help others, or your words can work against God and bring you into condemnation. One thing God has given almost all human beings is the ability to use words or communicate. Some people can't talk, of course, but those of us who can, who speak and know a language and communicate with that language, for us it'd be English, every word we speak is being measured and being heard. Now the other one is in James chapter 3, the other verse, verse 5. Verse 5 through verse 10. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. The devil's behind all of that. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue, the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Words. In fact, in James chapter 3 there in verse 8, he said the tongue is full of a deadly poison, venom. 
Deadly, of course, describes the work that the tongue can do, the deceit that it can bring, the misleading statements it can make, the way it can deceive and malign things, mislead people, causing them to err and so forth. A lot of people do that. It's easy to lie to save your neck. It's easy to deceive somebody to get a favor, even though you know you shouldn't, even though you know that, boy, this is not the right thing to do. But every time we open our mouth and speak, it's like Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. We are declaring what's in our heart when we speak. And as he said, the tongue is a little member boasts of a lot of things. We can use a lot of destructive words during the week when we come in here to say thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord twice a week. And then during the week, we can use a lot of wrong words. Same mouth did it. Same tongue. And that's why he's talking. No man can tame it. Now, I do believe that God has given a way for our tongue to be tamed. Would you look with me just for a moment in Psalm 58 and verse 3 and 4? Psalms 58 and verse 3 and 4. He mentioned something about the tongue way back there. He said, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born, speaking what? Speaking lies. The most natural thing anybody growing in this world ever does is lie. And if you've got children, you know how easy it was for your child to lie. When one day you said, did you do that? And you could tell by looking at them that they're guilty. And they say, no, I didn't do it. Because that's a natural thing for a natural man to do, is to lie. And verse 4, for those who grow up and continue doing that, he said, they're poison. It's like the poison of a serpent. They're like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear. It's poison because it kills. It's fatal. Words are spoken that can destroy. A parent can speak words to a child that can ruin that child the rest of their life. Just by what they said. You're no good. You always this, or you're never going to be anything. A woman can ruin a husband by saying, you're not much of a man. And a man can ruin his wife and say, you know, I don't care a thing about you. Just a lot of things that people say that hurt people. Your tongue that forms the words that come out of your mouth are the things that we use to say what's in our hearts. And so often those things are so fatal and they're so rude or they're so wrong the way we speak to a neighbor next door. The world is full of so many people that really don't care what you think about what they said. You hear people in places of business all the time, loud, crude. They don't care what you think. They say things that are meant to hurt. They don't care if you get hurt by what they say. They don't care anything about you. You're living in that day. This is the hour that we're in. We need to take note that God's going to judge all of it because, again, everything is recorded. Nothing is forgotten. All those words that people have used from the cradle to their grave, all the things that they spoke as be judgment against them, it'll all come back. How will they do it? God is able to make a man know at judgment day that you are very, very guilty, that you really are getting a just recompense for your sins. And again, the only hope that we've got tonight is that God has not only forgiven us of those sins, but is teaching us how to live apart from such sins. And how hard it is, as James said, how hard it is to control that tongue.
It's a deceitful member of your body, Romans 3 says. It's a, it's a deceitful thing. You can lie and you can tell the truth. You can smile. A preacher can preach and act like he really loves the Lord and, and run off with somebody's wife because you're able to do that. Those are the things that are in a man's heart that are being exposed, and those are the things that will bring him into ruin and the things that will bring him into judgment. The Bible says a lot about your words. The Bible speaks about malicious words. The Bible speaks about feigned words, enticing words, hasty words, idle words. Over and over, scattered throughout, especially the New Testament, God speaks to the church, not the world, but to his church about things that harm what he's doing. Those who sow discord amongst brethren, those who say things they should not say and cause separation and division in the church are, in fact, working against God. It puts you on the opposition to God. You become an adversary because his work is unity, bringing his people together. And our words are dividing people. People can be very fragile. Some people can't take a lot. Some people can. But the Bible speaks over and over again and again and quite a few times about how we use our tongues. Even when we flatter, a lying tongue hateth those things that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. You get that out of the book of Proverbs. He said also, nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouths, and they lied unto him with their tongues in Psalm 78. God's people, they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongue. Can such a thing happen? Well, does it happen with us? Does it happen with you? Do we speak out of both sides of our mouth when it comes to being a Christian? Do we say things that we know we should not say? We say it anyway, and then at the same time, we do our damage that way. Do we turn around and invoke the blessing of God with all the flattering and nice words we say to him? I don't think all of these things are written in the Bible for nothing. Look in James chapter 1. I want to ask you a question. How spiritual are we? How spiritual are you? How spiritual are you? You know, the Bible tells us that if you see a man overtaken in a fault, the question that it was asked in Galatians 6 was, if you see a man overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore him. So the question is, well, who is spiritual? Are you spiritual? Because if nobody is spiritual, nobody can restore anybody. But we can sure do a lot of damage, but we just can't fix it because we're not spiritual. Now, if we're not spiritual people, then whatever we're doing here is not accomplishing anything, is it? I know we don't want to admit we're spiritual because somebody knows us better than that. And they'll go gabbing about, oh, he's not spiritual. He thinks she is or she doesn't, you know. But the question, verse 26, is this. If any man among you seem to be religious, now that's where I got the word spiritual has to do with piety or being devout in some way. If any man among you seemeth to be spiritual, let's put it that way, and bridleth not his tongue, what does it say about it? 
but deceiveth his own heart. That is, he knows he shouldn't do it. It is in his heart to don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. But he says it anyway and then makes an excuse why he says it. He deceives his own heart. I think the Bible says somewhere in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful. And Jesus said, again, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So it's easy to be deceitful. It's easy to mislead people. It's easy to distort the truth and distort the facts and make yourself look good at the expense of somebody else. That's not hard to do. A lot of people do that. Politicians do it all the time. People that are up and coming in this world who want the big job, they do it constantly. It's like everybody does to some degree, so that justifies why anybody would. But for us as Christians, if any man among you seem to be spiritual and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is what? Said his religion is vain, that is fruitless, aimless, and to no purpose. You could add the flavor of fatality there because if what we're doing isn't taking us where we think we're going, then we are essentially staying where we are and not going anywhere. Are you with me? If we're not going somewhere individually and hopefully as a whole body, if we're not accomplishing some things and growing and going, and we're just staying right where we are and not going anywhere spiritually, then when we're done doing all that we're doing, we're still going to be here and no better off than we were when we started. You can rewind that if you want to and play it back. But it's the truth. It would be a tragic thing for us to sit here at the end of our lives, after all these years and all the time spent and all the wars we've had and stuff we've had to go through, to think that when you got through and and you reach 30 years down the road, and we're getting close to that. We're really no closer to God than we were 30 years ago. We've been very religious. That is, we've gone through a lot of singing and dancing and hand clapping. We've done some donating and some missionary work, and we've tried to meet and pray and do those kind of things. But, you know, the thing that betrays us is our tongue. It's what we're saying. It can be that serious. And I really believe that. I think it's one of the most difficult things that in my own personal life I've ever had to deal with. It's one of those things I've allowed myself to get by with far too much. It's just saying things that you know your heart, you've been taught, it's in your heart, you know you shouldn't do it. Folks, just because the word is hidden in our heart does not mean we obey it. It means it is there to guide us into righteousness, a right way. And to violate what is right is wrongteousness. It's the wrong thing. It's unrighteousness. And he that knoweth, and with regard to our words, he that knoweth to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? Sin. Now we never would, well we might, but we wouldn't make that big a deal out of it because it's such a common thing to, you know, to speak ugly things and say ugly things about people and unnecessary things about each other or newcomers or problems that people are going through. We just share that with a lot of people and don't think a whole lot about how it affects people. 
And consequently, we do damage with our tongues after all these years. It's like we haven't heard this. Well, people used to bother me years ago that people could get the message of faith and they'd throw away their pills or their glasses and cancel this and do that. Boy, they were standing on the line, but they were so hard to get along with. And they would tell you all that's wrong with you, and, and yet if you said much about them, it was a war, and they talked about each other, and fightings and wars among you, as Paul spoke about. Think, well, we got all this faith talk, but we don't have any living truth. We don't live right. And it's evidenced by that little thing that's in our mouth that forms words. That's how we communicate with our tongues. Now, in the book of Proverbs, Speaking of James chapter 1 and verse 21, about bridling your tongue, let me read something for you. It says, In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. What does that mean? Does that mean that some people talk too much? I just had a conversation on the phone. I've been a lot of places in my life, and a lot of places you go, people want to talk to you. Sometimes you go out and have a little meal or a church thing, and a lot of people gather around, and they want you to talk. And you've already preached, but they want to hear you talk. And you find yourself accommodating people, as I said in the conversation today. When you get through talking and saying all the things you had no business talking about, jangling things, you leave and go back to your room or go home, and you think, oh, why did I say all of that? But then again, if people came around to talk to you and you just went, they would probably think you're really something wrong with you. But nevertheless, however we want to interpret that, the Bible says in the multitude of words, there lacketh not sin. Somewhere in talking too much, you're going to say something you probably shouldn't have said or said it in a way you probably shouldn't have said it, and you would have been a whole lot better off if you hadn't have said anything at all. It's bridling that tongue. He likens a bridle to your tongue like the rudder on a ship that controls the ship, or the bridle on a horse that controls the horse. He said, well, your tongue needs to be bridled. You need to bring it into control, and you can you need to realize that whatever comes out of your mouth, you're responsible for. Just like whatever decision you made, you're responsible for it. You can say, well, I shot him because the government told me to. You shot him. You have to answer for that. Because you answer to God, not this world. But our mouth, listen at this one. This is Proverbs 13. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now that's fatal. We'd be better off just being quiet. Now I have prayed for that. Lord, I like to be quiet. I like to quit talking so much. I like to quit chatting so much. I don't want to withdraw myself to my house and get in a basement somewhere and hide. But sometimes I think that wouldn't be such a terrible thing to do. The hiding part wouldn't be, but just not getting the place where I'm always saying something. Talking to the radio. I talk to the radio too much. 
I read books or read an article or something, and I talk too much. It's not like I can't stop that. It's just that I want to express myself. That's why we gossip. That's why we slander. That's why we backbite. That's why we meddle and we speak about other people when we shouldn't. It's because it's, something's in there just digging. It does so much damage, and it's such a destructive thing. As he said here, the tongue is destructive. It says the tongue of the wise, though in Proverbs 15, useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Sometimes, depending on who you are, it might be good just to read that and go home. Sit down and say, Lord, I need deliverance. I need deliverance from foolishness. I need deliverance from all of the things that were unnecessarily said. I don't want to have to stand before God and be judged for all the things that I've preached against. That would make me a hypocrite. And yet, that's one of the things I've had to fight, like some of you, not all of you. Some of you got this down pat. Others of us don't. This business of just talking and saying things that you shouldn't say or saying things you didn't necessarily have any reason to talk about, but, but we do that. I want us to look at two things about the tongue. One is gossip, slander, backbiting, murmuring, and whisperings against other people. And the second thing I want to say is the fatal tongue that doubts, the tongue of unbelief. We got too much of that also. With regard to our tongue, these two areas are gossip and slander and talk of doubt. Now, again, in James 1, 26, he talks about bridling our tongue. Now, let me give some identifications to some of these terms. Bridling the tongue. The tongue is the instrument that reveals slander, what's in your heart. Slander is to defame. It means to misrepresent, to bring false charges. Slander is what harms another's reputation or maligns another person or person or their children or their family or the church. Slander. Another word is gossip. Gossip is revealing personal information that you've heard. You may know it might be accurate and true what you're saying, but the revelation of it does harm to the person you're talking about because it was unnecessary for it to be said. Gossip. I'm going to deal with this in just a minute. A talebearer is one who repeats what he has heard. He becomes a backbiter, speaking against people. Words that harm, words that affect another person's attitude or another person's relationship. Now, all of these things that happen usually end up, when you talk about slander, gossip, and talebearing, all these things usually end up doing damage and hurt, dividing and separating people in the church. Now, all the years I've been here, many years I've been here, I've seen a lot of people come and go. Way more people have left here than have stayed here. But that might mean also that not everybody who came here was sent here by the Lord. It looked like a good place to go. When they got here, they realized they didn't fit here. But I've seen a lot of people who came here who had some real problems with their mouth their tongue. They really could not suppress the desire to talk about somebody else's weakness or somebody else's fault 
or somebody else's books or somebody else's car, dress, something. They just had to find somebody they could talk to and talk about what they see or saw wrong in somebody else. I don't know how many people, new people, new Christians have come here through the years and God really touched their lives and got them going and then somebody found a fault with something that they said or something they did or some way they expressed themselves and they had to tell somebody else about it. And most of the time, what you whisper in the wind gets back to the person you said it about because somebody will tell. Somebody will say it to somebody else, and when they say it to somebody else, it'll get back to the person who said it, who is greatly hurt because they came here to be helped and got hurt. They didn't get hurt because of the word, a hard word that was preached. They got hurt because of the brothers and sisters who spoke against them. Now, that's fatal. God will judge that because he that soweth discord among brethren, Proverbs 6 is that God hates that. He doesn't dislike it and, and says, come on, stop it. The Bible says he hates it. And yet it's such an easy thing to do. And it happens way too much. And somebody talks about somebody's family. You know, we were doing well until our kids begin to grow up and the, the decisions you have to make, you know, they didn't just fall in line. They don't always do right. They didn't always do well. And we notice it. We see it, who they're with in town or how they're dressed when we see them or a rumor that was heard about somebody's child in the church. And how natural and easy it was for us to talk to somebody else about it. Have you heard? Well, I saw well, I couldn't believe this. And they looked like a hussy walking down on the street, whatever a hussy is. And I blah, blah, blah. And so oftentimes parents talk like that at the table, at the kitchen table, and their kids hear it. The kids hear their parents talk about somebody's weaknesses or somebody's faults and failures, and they are failures. And they are weaknesses. Nobody refutes that. But the fact that you said it only encourages it to be repeated because your kids will go repeat it. You said it at the table. They heard you talk about it. They know you don't respect those people, so they don't either in the church. They grew up in a church only respecting who you respect. They tend to look down their nose at everybody we look down our nose at. And they tell their friends. Or they spread the word in town. Oh, we got somebody in our church. Oh, she's just a hussy. How do you know she is? Well, I just know she is because we'll look at the way she dressed. You know what? She, she must be, if she dresses like that, you know what else she's probably doing. You don't know that, do you? But you told that like for sure it was true. And time the words like that get back to the parents who's got their hands full with the child. It ain't like I haven't been here. You got your hands full with the child and one of the reasons you learn later your child left was because of talk the way the deeper life brethren talked about you, the way they investigated your life. I've heard that too. Somebody came in a store once asking about my daughter. Well, what do you know about her? Well, tell a member of the church trying to gain information for what purpose? Run that mouth. And when that gets back to your daughter, I'm out of here. I don't want to go back to that church. 
hadn't been back to one in a long time. She will be, but those, some of these wounds go pretty deep. We're so glad that we're so perfect. We live so far above that kind of stuff, and yet I look back now through the years at some of these things that have happened, I see a lot of ruin. I see a lot of people who thought they were so in touch with God be so far away now. It's as though God really does judge things. What goes around really does seem to come around. Or we've had people from other churches. How many times have visitors come from other churches, come to our church, to fellowship? And sometimes they've had a bad experience back where they were. You know, they want the fellowship and praise. Oh, I wish it was like this back wherever. And the natural response is, well, uh, how is it back wherever it is? Oh, we can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. Now, that's not right. There is absolutely no benefit for anybody to come here and describe in horrid detail how bad everybody is where they came from. We're not designed to fix it. Oh, Brother Tom, you don't have to wait, but time out. Now, I haven't done this, but this would be a good thing to do. Time out. You want me to go back and kick somebody out of your pastor's church? You want me to go back and throw him out too? Oh, I've got the authority to do all that, for sure. It's a Nunya thing. It's a Nunya th situation. It's none of your business out there in the world. Don't come in here and tell us all the problems with your church. Now, you may have a problem you need to talk to about because you've got to make a decision. You don't know what to do. Okay, we can talk about that. You can tell me I'm not happy in Never Never Land, and I would like to know what you think about this or that or thus and so. Always remember, you're hearing one side of the story. All the horrid details of poor so-and-so. And they're telling you what all is wrong and what should I do. This is what I've learned to say. First of all, I don't want to know all the horrid details. I can try to help you and be constructive. I usually say this. I don't know what to tell you to do. That's your business. You've got to make a decision. Maybe you need to get in your closet and to find out what you're going to do. Don't go back to Never Never Land and, and say, Brother Hamilton's going to say, want to quote you. Because, see, you're like some kind of a king touch somewhere, and they want to quote you as the authority. He told me to get out of this church. I said no such thing. And yet people come, and it's that tongue. They wag that tongue. Folks, don't any of you go anywhere and wag at anything. Don't do that. If you got a problem with Brother Hamilton, they say, how you doing in Shelbyville? Just say, ah, better than I deserve What's going on? Not a thing. How y'all doing here? Change the subject. I do that a lot. How y'all doing? Have you heard the price of gas has dropped a little bit? Isn't that good? They're trying to get you involved in gossip and slander. How many people have you hurt in your life with your mouth? How many times do you wish you could take back something you said? I've been caught two or three times in my life. I've got a phone call. Ring, ring. Did you say? 
Uh, deceit says, oh, no, don't tell them that. You're going to get into trouble here. And I better say, I did. That wasn't fair. You're right. I called up a preacher once. All of you know his name. He marked me from his pulpit because he had heard another minister say something. None of them called me. So I called this brother. And I said, I heard you said this about me from your pulpit yesterday or last week or Sunday. <clears throat> well, uh, you, well <laughs> did you or not? Now, he's a big name. I said, did you or not? Well, you know, I, was, I said, did you or not? He said, I did. I said, that ain't fair. That ain't fair. Coming from you, that's not fair. You know better than that. I didn't appreciate it. I finally said it to one person in my life. I don't appreciate that. But we've gotten by with it for so many years in this faith camp. We just say stuff and have wars, and then we just get real quiet and hope everything is over. Then we go back to acting like everything's all right. And we never rectify or fix anything. That tongue just keeps wagging. It just keeps wagging. But if somebody comes by from another place and wants some advice from you, give them honest and good advice. But when they start talking about how bad it is somewhere else, they're headed for the line. That's about as far as you want to go with this. Now, if they start talking about the personality, all the preacher thinks he, you better stop them right there and say, you know what? Now, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to open my mouth and be a party to anybody's assassination. I don't want a phone call as I got not long ago from another preacher who said that people had been here, had said things about him and his church to somebody or some of you here, and somehow or another it got spread to somebody else who somebody else heard it and told somebody else, and it got back to him, and now I got a phone call. And I'm thinking, you know, I go through this once every three or four years, at least. I've been preaching 40 years, and this one thing has never Cease to be, never. We just can't quit talking about things. Discussing people in the church in a bad light. As though we have no problems that could be discussed. And we say all of these things that we shouldn't say, and I'm talking to this brother, and I said, well, I'll see what I can find out. Examine my own heart. Have I said anything? I remember talking to a brother not too long ago, and and he said, well, I did about a problem in a certain place. And I said, now, I said this at my table. I said, now, before you say anything, I'm going to answer you as though that brother is sitting right here beside me. I'm not going to speak against him. I'm not against you. I'm not against him. I'm not for you. I tend to be more for him. But now, I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to violate his office and so forth. Because I know through the years I've had people leave here and talk about me, and I, I know how it works. I went to a place once that they'd gotten a phone call from somebody here warning them where I went about me, and they're still in the church. You can minister well to people like that. They're there because they love you. and doing their very best to ruin your ministry, get you to put down, you know, it's just a meanness. I've also seen what happens to people. The tongue. It brings judgment. It brings ruin. That word fatal, like I said, it can also mean ruin. It can mean death and deadliness. It also can mean ruin. Deadly poison. It's venom. And we spew it out sometimes and we talk about other people. 
best thing to say is if you're not happy somewhere, go tell your preacher you're not really happy here. And what do you think I should do? I've done that before. I said, if you're really not happy here, you don't believe you can function here anymore, then take a couple of weeks and go somewhere and find you a place you really fit in, right? And then if you do, go there. But if you're going to come here, I mean, don't do this. Because otherwise, if you keep going, I'm going to put you out of the church. And then that's a bigger thing. But that tongue can get us in a lot of trouble, bring a lot of difficulty and things of that sort. It's not like we pray for people that we talk about. You know, it's like I talked to a preacher one time, and uh, this person I had known, I had known as somewhat of a whiner. He just whined too much. He's very ingrained in himself. He just cried a lot. So, you know, they left and went somewhere. Well, I just happened to run into a preacher who had known these people and said, yeah, they were used to be in your church. Yeah, and I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, they came by and talked to me a little bit there. I had a chance to visit with them, yeah. Now, part of this is true, and part of this I'm making it up to avoid a phone call. <laughs> yeah, I've known them, yeah. And I said, they asked me if you had said they were crybabies. The preacher said, yeah, he said that. Yeah. How many of you know that doesn't help relationships? <laughs> no, just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. Now, you're not a crybaby, are you? So I can talk to Levi here. If I said, Levi's a crybaby, biggest crybaby in church. Let's say he really did just want, you don't like me. You want me to sit on the front row. You talk about me. You preach. You spit on me. And I just don't like all of that kind of stuff. But what if Levi decides he's going to go down to the Baptist church? And I run into the Baptist preacher. Is that boy Levi down here? Yeah. Is he cried yet to you, a crybaby? Well, no, he came in visit a little bit the other day and he was whining about this or that. Levi sees his preacher down there and he says, hey, I talked to your former preacher the other day. Did he say I was a crybaby? <laughs> now, the preacher shouldn't have said this, but he said, yeah, he did. He said, you was a crybaby. <laughs> How many of you know, to make a point, how many of you know what I said was unnecessary? That I might have to pay for that rest of my life. And this may never get fixed. This is not like I got to fix it, but it, it's just like there's going to be a scar, a living scar in two people's lives because of the fault of one who said something who shouldn't have said it. I might have said Levi's a cry. I might be right. He might be a crybaby. But it's not necessary or Christian or spiritual to proclaim that. I might be the biggest crybaby. I just get by with it better than he does. Oh, I've got my faults. I've run through some things this week about my past, being a pastor here, of uh, mistakes I've made and failures and weaknesses that I have had and letting people down years ago. And I think, boy, I, if anybody had a reason to be disgusted ugly, it would be me. But you can't go back and fix all that. Just like you take a feather pillow, you cut the end of it off, and you spread all those feathers. How many of you know you can't get them all back? It's like an arrow. When you let go of an arrow from the bow, it's gone. You can't get it until it stops. You can't drag it back, pull the trigger on a gun and shoot a bullet. You can't get the bullet back. It's going somewhere. You said it. You did it. It might be a good time if God deals with us in these days to maybe make a phone call 
and said, you know, I've been bothered by something I said about you many years ago or yesterday, and I was really wrong. I recognize how wrong I really was, and I ask you to forgive me. You think that would be good if it came to something? I think it would really be good. I think it might be the very thing that we ought to do. Sometimes you have a constructive need to talk to somebody, and sometimes it's, you don't need to go there. Again, I'm going to say this, that we are not counselors of other churches. We are not counselors of members in other churches. People are seeking more sympathy than solutions. It's not like they want to constructively make something that's not good right. They just want to avoid it, and they want you to be on their side. And once you agree with people, and once you start discussing somebody else on the basis of what you heard, you will be quoted. I guarantee you will be quoted. Somebody's going to say something about you. And when you're quoted, I get the phone call. I'm the one that gets the phone call, and I'm the one that has to somehow try to deal with it. Even though my heart is thinking, you know, this is not a big enough deal for us to have to deal with, we still, nevertheless, got it to deal with. I don't want to have broken friendships with people in other churches who think that we're against them. I don't want that. I'm not problem-free here. I've got it better than a lot of people do, admittedly so. But, you know, we're not exactly perfect yet. Tell somebody besides you, we're not perfect. Amen. That is really, really true. A froward man sows strife, the Bible says. A froward, a perverse, wicked man sows strife. You repeat a matter. You say something about other people. Listen at this verse. In Proverbs 16, a froward man soweth strife and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Or in 17:9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Does that mean you don't repeat it? The same verse goes on to say, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends or chief friends or good friends. Just repeating the matter. And a man who can put his hand to his mouth and not say, even though something might be true about somebody, it is unnecessary for it to say it. Because when you tell somebody something very accurately about somebody else, that person's going to repeat it to somebody who's going to hear it differently than this person did. And by the time it gets back to you, you're a difficult person and you shame on you and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera. We need to be, as Christians, we need to be very careful about what we say. Again, we're going to be judged by what we say. Turn to Proverbs 6, if you've gone anywhere. Proverbs chapter 6. That verse I quoted a while ago carries some very heavy judgments here. In verse 16, he said, these six things God hates. These are things that God hates. A lying tongue is verse 17. That's the second thing he said, a lying tongue. Now, is a lying tongue one that is not exactly truthful? It is. 
you're distorting the picture. In fact, I made a phone call about something that I heard recently that was said, and I called another party. These are things I do that you don't know. I called this other party because I had heard this. And the other party gave me a different version of it, a whole different look. And I thought, now I have been deceived. I have been misled. Or the person talking to me is lying one. I'm just calling to get my stories right. But he said, uh, God hates, God hates a lying tongue. God hates in verse 8, 18, a heart from which your words come, a heart that devises wicked imagination. God hates feet that are swift and running to mischief. God hates in verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. That's again talking about lies. In verse 19, he says, God hates he that soweth discord among brethren. That person who's having trouble with his marriage in the church, it's not public discussion. If you know about it, it's yours to pray about. You may not know what to do about it. You may think something needs to be done. I don't know what to do. You could come to me and say, there's a couple that I know of who are having marital trouble and of the nature of this or that and she and he and what do you think I should do? I've been praying, I don't, but is there anything I, you can think of that I can do? I may not know anything to do except pray. At least you're wanting to do something right about it. At least that's constructive. If any of you married couples in here, if you were having trouble at home, you want us all to know about it? Won't y'all just come up here some night and you stand here and let her stand over there and y'all just get into it. Then you get done. If you're still in one piece, we'll all judge it. Well, that's not what the church is for. Best thing for you to do is just to pray. You don't even have to go to them and say anything. I don't think a lot of people that are having trouble, maybe at home, money, have about money problems. What if the word is spread? Let's say a man is at the supper table. I know of one family this, I assume, I think this has probably happened because their kids have all turned, just scattered, but they're sitting there at the table and he and his wife are talking about folks in this church. Well, I hear that, you know, I hear their money problems and this or that and thus and so. And he's overcharged on his credit card or he got called at the bank that he's supposed to. Now see, they may know that as a truth, but that is entirely the wrong place to discuss somebody else's life. If it's necessary to be discussed at all by a husband and a wife, it should be discussed in private. Because your kids are going to go out. You don't think they're paying attention because they're feeding their face. But they go out of here and somebody says something about one of these two people. They say, yeah, they're in big trouble financially. Yeah, the IRS is after them now. Do you know that? Why, they probably, isn't that what they do? See, you start assuming things are true. So the word gets back to this family that a kid in the church is talking about them. Now, what does this person who's having, he's got his hands full of problems anyway, what, how does it make him feel about this kid or their family? Where'd you hear that, my mom and dad? We haven't helped anybody here. We haven't fixed anything. We'd probably cause people to say, you know what, 
this is one church I don't want to be a part of. This is the most vicious fighting and gnawing on people and talking about people bunch I ever saw. And out they go. That's probably not true, but in its fullest sense, but it's probably true with one or two people who cause somebody to think we're all like that. And so we have to be careful about what we say. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, he that restraineth his lips is wise. He that restraineth his lips is wise. If you don't want anybody to quote you, don't say anything. I have learned, I can honestly say tonight, now that I'm in my 60s, I can honestly say that more and more I'm aware of what not to say. I'm very careful who I say it to. I'm probably less cautious around my children and my wife than anybody else because I don't think they would hurt me. I don't think they would misquote or, or even quote me unless they thought it would do somebody some good. My name is Tom Hamlin. My social security number is such and such, and, and uh, I live on Rockbridge Road. That's about it. Because people will take things you say and use it on you. It shouldn't happen in the church, but it does happen. I'm talking about the fatal tongue. The tongue is a little member. It causes a great amount of trouble. And I know that people talk too much. I know they say too much about other people. Look at Acts 14. They talk about things they shouldn't talk about, and some have a design. They say things with the idea that they want to do some damage. As wicked as that sounds, it is the truth. Back in the 80s in this church, it was almost like an unusual time. If there's anything crazy in America, it came to Shelbyville. If there was anybody that was difficult, strange, I got them at least for a month. I've had to go knock on their doors and they wouldn't answer the door. I knocked on windows and they won't roll them down. Had to write them letters. Do not come back. No. If you ask, no. But I found myself in those days discussing the rudeness of a lot of people with people who didn't need to hear it. Yeah, my church, I'll tell you what I got. We got some people came in here and I'll tell you they're just blah, blah. You know what? I was at fault. I was at fault. What I said was accurate. As far as I was concerned, they were a little bit touched, but I was probably <laughs> accurate in what I said. It was just unnecessary to say it. I've also found that young people are growing up, some of them in this church through the years are kind of going astray. And ever at that age where a boy they could just, and, and I found instead of talking about it, if you just speak to them, how you doing? And they're kind of waiting for you to, and you just say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You doing all right? And you walk, and that helps. Because they know you're really not against them. You may know they're wrong, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about you want to see the best come out of people. If they want to get it right, they will. I'm just saying that the, we just don't need to say a lot of things that we say. We don't need to discuss a lot of people's affairs that we discuss. We just need to look in the mirror and say, my hands are full. They're not tied, they're just full. 
My hands are full. Acts chapter 14 and verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews, I notice the word unbelieving. It seems like it's here as a special location to describe those who are guilty of doing what follows. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brother. Now, evil affected in three different translations means poisoned their minds. How do you poison somebody's mind? With words. You find somebody who is vulnerable and you say things about somebody else. Oh, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that this guy, I know for a fact that she said that she would, how do you know they might be right, but they're wrong in what they're saying? Because when that gets back to the guilty party, even though they're guilty, they're offended. They're not offended because they're guilty. They're offended because you have spread their guilt all over the country and they'll never come to you or the church to get help. Because as far as they're concerned, you don't like us, you're against us, you talk about us, you oppose me. I don't want anything to do with you. And I know that's happened far too many times in our lives that people have just been hurt and offended by what we have said and, and so forth. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 34. I'm going to close with this. Psalms 34. Let's save the other part, the faith part, for next week. Psalms 34 and verse 12 and 13. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you suppose that the reason some of the things that we're going to say here are not happening for people is because of an uncontrolled, out-of-control tongue that has robbed those people and their family of blessings? Look at verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth good days so that he may see good? Well, I am. How many of you would like to have that? Who is it? God is speaking here. Who is it that desires life? Jesus said, I'm come that you might have what? Do you want it? Who is he that desires life? And would like to live a long time. There's nothing wrong with living a long time and living many days that he may see good. I would rather live a long life having good things happen and seeing good things happen and having a, a satisfied, fulfilled life than to see everything go to pot, wouldn't you? And to see the church fall apart, to see your kids' lives fall apart, to see anybody's life just fall apart and everybody just be consumed by the devil and gnawed and chewed and spit out into the world and not care. I would rather see good things happen than bad things. Well, the question is asked to us, who would like to see good and live a long life and see a lot of good things happen? Here's what he says. Verse 13, one verse, what we're talking about, this is one of many conditions in the Bible that you can meet for prosperity. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Guile is hypocrisy, misleading, deceitful talk, dishonest talk, hypocritical talk. Bridle your tongue. Command your will. I will not say that. I will not repeat what I heard because I don't know that what I heard is true. 
That girl was out running around town at one o'clock last night by herself and some boy was in a car following her. I don't know that that's true. I heard that. Wouldn't it be terrible if you repeated that as true and found out that that wasn't her they were talking about, that the one they were talking about was at home in bed asleep? Look what damage you did to a girl. She may never come back here. All because of this mouth. Like the psalmist had said, a wash before my mouth, O Lord, and guard the door of my hearts. Let me not sin with my lips. Let my lips be totally dedicated to the worship and the praise of God. Let my speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. Let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth except that which is good to the edifying and the building up of other people. There's nobody in this room who's not capable of doing that. You can say good things. We can take all the bad things. The devil's going to make sure we listen. Because people you really like who want to talk to you, you're not going to say, hey, friend of mine, hush. You'll listen to them. And the devil will inspire you to agree with them. Then he will inspire you to say something that sides with them. And you don't even know the other side of the story. And how foolish we must be when we realize that the story you heard that you agreed with was only half true. Then things happen in our lives. We think, well, why does this happen? I go to church. Well, it might be. Just one reason might be right there. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Don't tell me somebody's not listening to what we're saying. I read a text tonight. By your words... You are made right, and by your words, you're condemned. That's not good. A condemned life is not a refreshed, blessed life. But if you want to be blessed, one way, just one of the many verses that deal with blessing, one verse is keep your mouth shut about other people's affairs, about things that don't pertain to you, and if it does pertain to you, speak as constructively as you can or go in private and deal with it. If you got a fault against somebody, go to them how? In private. Rectify the matter between you and somebody else. Don't spread it all over church. Don't go to some other church and talk about Shelbyville and Brother Hamilton. Don't come from some other church and talk about that church and brother so-and-so. That's not our ministry. We're not called to solve other people's problems. We're not called to listen to mistruths and deceit. It's the best thing that we can do. If you have to listen to some of it, you just say, well, I don't know what to tell you. And in your heart, you can say what I said to a person not long ago. I'm not going to be misquoted here. I may agree with some things that you're saying that, you know, one or two things that you say about something, but you're not going to quote me as saying, I think you're right. I advise you. I'd, I, I ain't going to say that. Because I don't want to end a friendship. I don't want to have to avoid fellowship. I don't want God to have it on my record that I helped destroy a man's life. Yeah, but what do you think about this problem? That problem is mine to pray about. It's not anybody else's problem, but that man's. Isn't it true? He stole a car and he ran off. Isn't that awful? Because we've done it a whole life. It's ours to say, well... I don't know if he stole the car or not. I heard he did. I don't know if he ran off or heard he did. But whatever it is, I'm going to pray because I know there's a problem. And leave it there. And when you get together and have coffee and donuts, 
What do you think about so-and-so? Well, I prayed about that. Yeah, but what do you think about it? <laughs> well, you're no fun to fellowship with. <laughs> Maybe you're not either. Maybe you're not either. Let's see here in this church, if for the next month, let's set a big goal for ourselves, a, a whole month. That's four long weeks. That's at least 28 long, long days. <laughs> then we're going to make a little covenant with ourselves. I will not talk evil against anybody, including the president of the United States or the politicians in Congress. You know what? Let me just close and say this. You know what a good example of bad talk is? Talk show hosts. That's an unruly tongue. Its purpose is to divide, misrepresent, and cause ill. It's a defaming talk. What if you made your life as a talk show host cracking jokes about other people's weaknesses and fault and truths about other people, and you turned half the country against somebody? What do you say to God at the end of your life? You did good? God may look and say, there was absolutely no purpose in the kingdom of God for you ever appearing on this earth. You did absolutely no good to anybody but yourself. You made a lot of money at the expense of other people's reputations. And you don't go to heaven because you made a fatal mistake with your mouth. I'd rather put tape over my mouth, tape at the back of my head so the hair comes out and I take it off at night <laughs> than I would have to go around and have to be guilty all the time for something I said. So for a month, how many of you can keep up with the date, the month, starting today? For one month, we are not going to malign, talk about, discuss anybody in the church, out of the church, in the world. We're going to speak only what is good. Amen. Close your Bible. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us that we sin not with our mouths. Grant grace unto us to the degree that we are able to bridle our tongues, young folks and older folks, all of us alike, that from here on, we put ourselves in somebody else's place before we say anything and then measure our words and thoughts by what we would want said about us, that we live as though we would do unto others as we would have others do unto us. We pray for that kind of a holy life to emerge from us, that our religion, our spirituality might be pure and not defiled that our walk with you would not be in vain and useless, but that we would prosper spiritually by it. Now, Heavenly Father, I know there have been things said about each one of us, that there is nobody in our assembly here tonight who is dead perfect. Now, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would cause all of us to put aside everything we want to say and learn to pray for each other to pray for those children that are growing up and who need prayer, to pray for a marriage that needs prayer and give us words to say 
if we ever have an opportunity that we can say something good and something constructive to these people. Lord, help us to be brothers and sisters to each other from the weakest of us to the strongest. May everybody benefit from a good decision to guard our mouths. And I pray that you will open up the doors and the gates and the windows of heaven and bless us for it to show us that this will indeed undo those locked doors of blessings in your life. I ask you to forgive us for all the unkind, unnecessary things that we have said about anybody. And may we freshly put our hand to this plow and never have to look back again about it. I ask you to bless us in this way he will cause us to grow up and bridle our tongues in Jesus' name. Amen.